Eating healthy, living healthy, being healthy. This is the Holistic Keto Goddess Podcast. A podcast focused on holistic wellness and teaching you about incorporating the keto diet and lifestyle changes to achieve an energetic balance. Teaching you how to live now so you don't struggle to live later. And now, your host, Jessica Ankaya. Everybody, uh, Jessica here. Welcome back to another episode of Keto and Energetic Balance for You. Today, I have Master Lama Rasaji, and he is known as one of the 12 Master Lamas in the entire world. So I'm super excited to have him here today. He lived and trained at the original Tai Chi Gang Lamasary in Tibet, and he has been training in Lao Tzu's regenerative health system for more than 50 years. He is an expert on Tai Chi Gung and you can find him on his YouTube channel. And he also has a show with Jimmy Schwinn, which is called The Llama and the Patriot. If you wanna find out more information about him, he has a website, which is called rasaji.com. And when you go there, you can learn more about his work and Tai Chi Gung and how to improve your health and well-being. So that's great. <laughs> All right, so let's get started. How are you doing, Master Lama? I'm doing fine. Wonderful, Jessica. Excited about being on your podcast today and talking to your audience and always yes. want to share with like beings like yourself. Yes, yes. This is wonderful, wonderful opportunity for me as well. So, so kind of tell us what initially led you down your spiritual path and inspire you, inspired you to go train at the Tai Chi Gang Lamasary in Tibet. I mean, that's wonderful. Yeah, it's kind of, well, if you look at this thing, I was born very uh, frail kind of child, uh, grew up outside of Nashville, Tennessee. And I had bouts with uh, respiratory illness most of the first 10 years of my life. My family then relocated in North Florida in 1966. And being on that same kind of Southern fried diet and moving from a drier climate of Nashville to a humid climate in North Florida, uh, if you follow the pattern of Chinese medicine, then it's very notorious for an illness that manifests in the lungs to eventually manifest in the kidneys. And so what happened was, is that eventually I had to have kidney surgery and that, that event totally changed my life. It was August of 1968. I was 12 years old. And I can remember as if it was yesterday, as I was going through the anesthesia, my body fell asleep, but my conscious mind did not fall asleep. And I remember I was very scared because I was a child, right? At least in my mind at the time, I was a child. And as the body was floating down on the operating table, I was literally trying to communicate to the doctor saying, you know, don't do anything yet because I'm not asleep. Something's gone wrong. And I never forget that. Next thing I know, I look up and of course they have those real bright lamps in the ceiling. And the next thing I, I floated off right up into the ceiling. 
And when I was up in up above the ceiling, I met this really beautiful soul. And he just had this beautiful smile. His head was shaven. He had a Fu Manchu. And immediately I had this presence of, you know, if there was an Asian St. Francis, it's probably how this guy would be, right? Well, lo and behold, this gentleman begins to show me these beautiful souls. And as a matter of fact, it was 10, 11 souls that later in my life, I would actually meet these people in physical form. So that was the real turning point after when I came back in from surgery, I remember my mom on about the fifth or sixth day when I was really going through a lot of pain from rehab from the surgery. She said, you know, I'm looking in your eyes. I'm looking in your face. I love you, dear, but you're just not the same person before the surgery. My mom was, my mom was very intuitive and she just sensed that something was different. The 14th day, which was the day before we were to leave the hospital, I heard the doctor tell my mother in the next room and I, I, and I, I couldn't believe that I could actually hear them. But he said, you know, your son is going to be in and out of the hospital. I'm afraid to tell you most of his life. And there's a good chance that he won't see his 18th birthday. And he'll be heavily on medication, stuff like that. The doctor came in the next day and I actually called him on it. I stood up to him and my mother goes, where, you know, I was 80 pounds soaking wet 12 year old, right? I was this real frail thing. And she said, wow, you developed some will that I don't understand. Well, when I was out of the body, I, I figured most of that four and a half hour surgery, I was out. And what I realized later is I began to learn to leave the body back and forth is that being outside in an altered state of consciousness for just a few minutes was like a year of college so to be out as long as i was it was pretty it was pretty amazing changed my life and gradually what happened is about six months later an important book in the 50s and 60s was like life magazine and a lot of people like my family they, it was, they read it like it was the Bible, you know, and my dad read this article. He said, get your children into yoga and martial arts because it will build stamina. So this was 68, 69. So he enrolled me in my first martial art class, 12 going on 13. And even though they had fixed the plumbing in the body, they had not been able to address energy problems because I lost a good part of both kidneys. In those days, I would have been up for a kidney transplant. It was just, you know, that wasn't really being done in the late 60s. Right. And um, so I would definitely been diagnosed probably with chronic fatigue syndrome because I slept about 13 hours a day. And still felt like I didn't have enough sleep. About six weeks into this martial art class, the martial art master realized I just had no chi, no energy, right? So he comes out one day and he's got this jar, big old root in this jar, like so big mason jar. 
and it's liquids inside and liquids probably covering about 80%, maybe top of the root is actually just above the liquid. And he told my dad, he said, this is a hundred year old ginseng root. And he says, I want him to take it. So my dad reached into his pocket, his hand was trembling because the master, this was $1969, he wanted $300, three Benjamins for that root, right? A lot of money for my dad, who was a manager of a contracting company. Tom, he said, but you know what? If this will help my son, bingo, I do it. So he told, the, he told me to sip an ounce or two of the liquid until it was gone, which that took about six to eight weeks, and then to dry the root out for 24 hours, and then to cut off a little sliver of the root chew it up, get the pulp, get the moisture, and then spit it out. And to do that twice today. So that whole process was about three months. Well, that ginseng root kicked my endocrine gland system into overdrive. And an endocrine gland system that just wasn't working right, all of a sudden began to work. Right. And the next thing I knew is I went from about 13 hours of sl sleep down to about nine hours of sleep. And I finally could finish one full 45 minute martial art class without getting exhausted. It was enough to tell my dad and myself, wow, there is an alternative way to go. So that, that started my path and I stayed with martial arts for several years, got two black belts by the time I was 17 in two different martial arts, became captain of the swim team my senior. By my senior year in high school, Jessica, you would have never known I was ever sick. <laughs> Literally, nobody ever believed from that point on that I was ever sick. And my dad and my mother were just absolutely amazed. So that's how that started and that's how I yeah. got started in that direction yeah so it seems like maybe it was a combination of the out-of-body experience plus the ginseng maybe you had burst into 5d a little bit with the out-of-body oh yeah well there's no question that 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 was at least a 5d experience over the years later I mean I've I've been all the way to the 12th dimension now but over that time it was it was amazing. But what that happened was, is that I was doing a demonstration one day, a martial art demonstration in Seattle, Washington, just below the Space Needle. They were having a festival. And I did some movement, some creative movement, a kata form to music, to classical music. When I got done, there just happened to be a professional ballet dancer male ballet dancer that was there and on the plane flight from Seattle which was over five hours back to North Florida this guy introduced himself and sat down with me we just happened to be coming back to North Florida together and he said wow I would love to get you in dance class I said what are you talking about <laughs> he said he said I've never seen anybody do what you just did, right? And I said, well, I love music, you know? And I said, sure. So I enrolled in a dance class. 18 months later, the combination of my martial art experience of five years 
and 18 months of dance wound me up in Manhattan. And I had done a little bit of some musical theater right before I got there. And I got the interest of the musical director and come to find out he had wrote, written a show for an off-Broadway production that he wanted to cast me in. Mm. And so that became my profession for a while, dancing and doing children's professional theater. And that took me there late 74, right after graduation. And in about 1975, I began to find some martial art classes in Chinatown in New York City. Mm. And I was studying Wing Chun and I was working on my third black belt and I was taking a Chinese form of Tai Chi. Well, if you do some research, because this is going to be way before your time, Miss Jessica, but there was a vigilante group called the Guardian Angels in New York. Guardian Angels. Okay. The Guardian Angels. And they were there to support the police because the police were just completely overhauled by gang fights that were going on in the mid-70s. And this was way before Rudy Giuliani came in as mayor in the 90s. So crime in Manhattan was like completely off the charts. It was amazing. Well, all the participants of the Guardian Angels were well-trained in martial arts. As a matter of fact, my sparring partner, Wing Chung, was one of their members. And every now and then I would walk the beat with him once or twice a week for an hour or two. So we got to walking one night in early middle 75. And he said, hey, there's this Tibetan Lama in Washington Square. And he's doing a system called Tai Chi Gong. Well, I, I was taking a Chinese form of Tai Chi, and I understood what Qigong exercises were, but I'd never heard those three words put together like that. And I said, well, what is this? He said, well, according to this Lama, that this full system of Tai Chi did not find its roots in China. It's actually from Tibet. I said, the heck you say? I couldn't believe that. I said, really? So he said, let's go meet this guy. And so Saturday, a couple of days later, I showed up for their morning class. And I actually, I was late. I remember I had a casting call that morning. And so about 9.45, I showed up and they'd probably been training for about 30 minutes. And the llama was sitting down with his back to me as I walked up to a little park called Washington Square in the Soho district of New York City. And I walk up and I'm, you know, I'm this cocky 18 year old, you know, I'm working on three black belts, you know, I've got trophies, you know, I can, my foot could dance up. I was real arrogant, just to completely arrogant. And I walk up to this guy and the vision just really bothers me. I'm seeing him sit down, Jessica, and he's got pigeons around him. And he's got squirrels literally sitting on his lap. Well, of course, my masculine ego brain says, well, you know, I'm going to walk around in front. And obviously he's got some seeds and nuts. And, you know, that's why they're there because pigeons will eat just about anything. Right. Right. And I walked around and the next vision bothered me even more. And that was he had nothing. 
in mm. his hands a material something. And I was a pretty good student of the Bible at that time. And this passage from the Bible just came up in me immediately and says, I have food to eat that you know not of. And I went, whoa. The guy literally almost like he floated up. He walks right toward me. He doesn't grab my hand. He grabs the inside of my forearm and he grabs it. He's shorter than I am. And he pulls me toward me and looks in his eye. When he grabbed me, it was like my arms got shot with Novocaine. They completely went limp. My legs turned to jello. And the first thought that hit me, if I can't use my arms and legs and this guy's going to attack me, what am I going to do, right? So, you know, he looked at me, he smiled. I swear he was borderline getting ready to laugh. I could tell. And he just had that Cheshire cat smile that llamas have all the time because they know things. And he looked at me and he said, Rasaji, what took you so long? Oh, wow. And, and, and the funny thing was, I was going one level, Jessica, that's, I never heard that. But then on another level, like a soul level, right? Deep down, I said, I've heard that name before. It was like haunting almost, right? So I began to train with this guy. I knew he had powers. I didn't understand. I wanted to learn them, obviously. And about six months went by and I got where I didn't care whether I got a a show or not. I mean, every morning in those days, you would go to the little newsstand way before internet, way before some talent search online. And you would get a copy of a magazine called Backstage. And the other one was called Showbiz. And you would turn them on the back and inside the class acts would be the casting calls that were going on in New York City and New Jersey and dinner theater. So you constantly did that, right? I got where I would grab it and sometimes never even look at the magazine because, oh my gosh, I get a chance to go see Master Bo Yang, one of the 12 llamas in all the world. I was so excited, right? Sure. So Saturday, again, was always where only the serious people would show up. And it was usually about one third the class. So it was usually like 12, 18 out of the 40 or 50 that normally train. And we were in the middle class and we were learning the Tai Chi dance, the choreographed moves, real like slow motion, like you're in water. And in our form, you make a couple 180 degree turns. And I made this turn and then I'll, I look at him And then I got that same feeling that I got during surgery, like I'm moving in some altered state or something. And and I felt a little vertigo going on. The next thing you know is that I'm kind of floating down. And some of the students to my right, fortunately, they're catching me, right? Now, I'd already had some kundalini experiences leading up to that, so it kind of felt like a real advanced kundalini thing was knocking my socks off, right? (laughs) So I'm floating down, and I'm semi-conscious, and I could hear one of the students say, Master Bo Young, what's wrong with Risaji? And he says, 
oh, he's awakening and remembering who he is and what he came to do. Mm. Now, as I'm laying down, kind of half conscious, I start Jessica having this vision. And the vision is, is my good friend who's a Cherokee Indian who leads vision quests in South Georgia, that he was down at Crooked River State Park doing a vision quest that weekend, unbeknownst to me. But the funny thing was, five minutes before I show up there, he is just talking about me in the vision quest. And lo and behold, I'm walking down the riverbank, at least a part of me. Now, remember, part of me is still in New York. So I'm walking down the riverbank, and he comes up to me and says, Versace, I thought you were in New York. <laughs> and I said, I thought I was too. And we went and we embraced, and we turned around. And again, before your time, we used to have these cameras in the 70s called Polaroid cameras. And they made their own, they would open up like this. Yeah. You'd press a button and it would like out of its mouth, spit out a piece of film. Oh yeah. To this, to this day, Jessica, on his credenza in his bedroom, close inside his mirror, he sticks that picture to prove that no matter what happened that day, that obviously I materialized enough that the Polaroid mm -hmm. film captured that event now that would be enough to make everybody go wah 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 but that <laughs> the story that story not over yet what happened was i start to get a vision of tibet and for the first time since the out of the body experience five years before i'm in the lamasery and I'm meeting the llamas for the first time. And they're saying, who is this guy? And they say, oh, this is Rasaji. Now, so I up until then, I'd had, I don't know, maybe a hundred biolocation experiences from, from the surgery to that time and meditation, everything. But I'd never had what was called a tri location experience i was in three different places and what made this even more profound there were witnesses at all three locations right. well lo and behold this all happened in the midst of about an hour's time and i finally came back to fully consciousness and i was messed up for a good week i mean literally that's amazing that, that experience, you can imagine, you know, here I am 18 going on 19. And that experience is like, I, it was beyond anything I could comprehend and put together before, right? And so finally, over a period of time, it adjusted. Fast forward two and a half years later, the Lama approaches me and he says, I got some good news for you, Rasaji, and I got some bad news. Well, being born the sign of the monkey who understands adversity and actually welcomes adversity. I said, well, go ahead and give me the bad news first. And he said, the bad news is I'm going to have to leave America. My visa has run out and now I'm being called back to Tibet. Well, on the whole to me, 
<clears throat> he was one of the 12 then, and he was getting ready to be promoted to the head lama, to the Maha Lama. Right. I didn't know this. He says, here's the good news. I want you to go home, talk to your mom and dad, and me and two other Americans in our class, he invited to travel with him. And I said, okay, it took about six months. I went home, worked for my dad for about three months to make some extra money. I was going nuts because I, I couldn't wait to be back because he had now become like a father figure to me, right? And like a father figure I had never had. I mean, my dad and me were okay, but this guy, it was just like, oh my God. And so the next thing I know is we're traveling to India. We're trekking up through Nepal. We go all the way through Nepal and get to northern Nepal. And we're just stepping into the territory of India. And all of a sudden, I see these two oxes pulling this wooden wagon with wooden wheels. I mean, it looked like something out of almost medieval, right? And I see these rugs in the back and my intuition working overtime knew what was getting ready to happen. I said, oh my God, he's, they're going to get the three of us and they're going to wrap us up in these rugs and they're going to smuggle us into Tibet. And that's exactly what they did. They wrapped us up in rugs and for about three to four hours, we're just like bouncing this and that way. And I'm thinking... What did I get myself into? You know, I'm, I'm this kid from Tennessee, right? That spent right. several years in Florida. I thought Manhattan was a trip, but buddy, you can't imagine the contrast between the foothills of the Himalayas and coming yeah. from Manhattan, right? No. That's about as yin and yang as you can get. So that's how I got originally to the Lamasary. That's amazing. <laughs> that's amazing. I'm wondering when you had that experience, um, the one that you were referring to with um, the master, what did you say his name was? Um, the one that... Bo-Yang, Bo-Yang. Uh -huh. I'm wondering what dimensions maybe um, you, you think that was like a 5D experience where you were like in three places at one time? I, I think it was more of a 6D experience. That tri-location was definitely more of a 6D experience because the advanced level that I was moving microseconds, uh, you know, was there. Right. And, you know, when you get into 5D, the only thing that keeps people even clean in 5D is your emotional and mental body has to be really clean to, to stay in it. That's why when we're looking at people's auritic field, which we were also referred to as the energy body, right? Most people, if they're balanced, Jessica, they should reflect the basic colors of the rainbow, right? Red and orange and yellow and green and so on and so Chakra. forth. But, yeah. but with most people, let's say you're looking at somebody's auritic field, and let's say they either just got divorced or maybe they lost a parent or a loved one to death. And then you see the browns and the blacks creeping in. And you also see a, a, a gray mist that will remind you of the Smoky Mountains. It actually looks like that smoky, right? And then you might see underneath these dull colors, a little red, a little orange, and it's usually dominated by where they're focusing their mind and emotions. In other words, if they've got issues in the heart, you might see a little bit more green. green. If it's in the throat, it's more like sky blue or something. Right. 
but you know, a lot of my students today, they, that, you know, we teach people how to see auras. We, you know, it's not hard to do. It's part of our natural development. You know, what we teach is what, is what the church refers to as second birth or the Bible, I should say, really refers to second, not so much the church. Yes. But we, we know it's supposed to be as natural as puberty. So in the Lama theory, what we know is that when we're going through puberty, that you should be going through a psychic puberty simultaneously. And according to what Master Rabbi Jesus, that's what we call Jesus in the Lamasery, he said, you have to be born of the water and you have to be born of fire. So he constantly through scripture, he's talking about two births, right? And, and, and of course, in Revelations, when he's laying out the preview of things to come to John the Beloved, he's telling John, who's in prison in Patmos, and he's saying, this is what happens. I did a whole series on this called Awake and Remember, right? I titled it Awake. And it's about what happens as all the chakras begin to open up. Well, and the Inga and the Pagala, the different pathways of the nostrils and the pranayama, right. and the energy starts to do what's referred to as the sleeping serpent, which is the figure eight or infinity sign up and down the chakras. And then, of course, the force field comes once that cycle's completed. All the spokes that are referred to as nadas and chakras, right? We have 72,000 just in the seven basic chakras. They have to turn out because until that growth, that birth starts, most of those nadas, or at least half of them, they're turned in. So they're not able to access energy too much of your energy body and why this is important is because the energy body is psychically supported by nature and her elements plus the sun and the moon it is literally feeding the physical body and this is why when i was in tibet and in india you know i was in india for four years tibet for three years so when you see a advanced master going 30 days or more without food, they're able to do it because they're soaking in so much psychic nutrition. They don't have quite the need for DNA nutrition, right? And uh, so we, we in Tibet, Lamas here, we talk about nutrition is, is three levels of development. Of course, we have the DNA. So we get it from food, drink, and supplements. But then we have the chi of earth, air, water, and fire, which correspond to the first four chakras. Mm -hmm. And then the mind corresponds to the fifth chakra. And then the six and seven, and then five chakras beyond the physical body that open up into the Christed being or the higher self, right? Right. Of, of who we are uh, yeah which but is this 14 to 16 foot giant i mean if people you know my wife she's a beautiful person from the philippines but she's 411 and 105 pounds soaking wet but she's got a higher self just as big as anybody else and sometimes 
let me tell you, <laughs> she is strong. I mean, she's strong, as we say in the South, is goat's breath, right? I mean, she's strong, right? But what happened was, is that our system, it's really a neat story, but there was this Brahmin Indian who was very advanced in early years. I mean, by 45 or 50, he himself was a well-renowned master in India. And you can Google the name. His name was Boga Narthar. And he was a very powerful and actually tall Indian for that time, over six foot tall. And he was a master at Hatha Yoga. Uh, you know, the, the basic stretching and conditioning yoga, which almost all the other yogas today are spinoffs of, including Pilates and everything. Right. But he was a Kundalini master of the chakras, the energy and the Kundalini. He was also a pranayama master, breathing energy and not just oxygen. So he looked around at him and he was puzzled because he was a evolved soul, obviously. And now he had reached this level of awareness and he was wondering why his teachers and a lot of the advanced students were spending all their time in caves, meditating and everything and not really caring for their physical body. Mm -hmm. And it bothered him. Mm -hmm. He felt it was literally like sacrilegious. Sure. It, but when you understand the age that this happened, which was 3,300 years ago, it makes sense because we were in a lot darker time. The, the, they, the Brahms, uh, the um, Indians referred to a day and night of God. The Swamiji's and the city yoga masters who have been studying the yugas, the ages of the time, said a day and a night of God is about 12 to 24,000 years. And we had already during this time been in a 10,000 plus year descension of what humanity would probably call the fall of men, right? So it was a pretty dark time. And when it's the darkest, people are not balancing their physicalness with their spiritualness, right? So... So this is what happened. So all of a sudden, from about 500 uh, uh, AD to about 500 AD with Christ's birth in the middle, you have all these nifty light beings that kind of show up in the drama of human drama. You have Buddha, you have Moses, you have Jesus, you have Mother Mary, you have Kuan Yin. So all these torches and what the scriptures tell us. Light enters the darkness and the darkness knows it not because darkness is not consciousness, right? Light is, right? So, but that's the pendulum turning point. That's the great cosmic turning point. So today, one of the most common terms out there is the great reset and, uh, and the great <laughs> awakening and as if it just started last year, right? <laughs> so the Lama series has been waiting for the great awakening for 3,300 years. We've been around that long. <laughs> right so watch this according to these same city yoga masters and swamiji's of which tai chi had its birth out of that in nature that we hit the second gear of ascension in the 17th century so it's 17th century we went from the kali yuga the dark time 
to the Dharpari Yuga. And the difference in this age is that it's the age of energy. It's the age of communication and the age of movement and the overall age of the caterpillar becoming the butterfly in the human race. And you can just kind of see, and when you think of science and, and you think of medicine and herbal um, remedies, when you think of what's happened in the last 321 years, it dwarfs what happened 3,000 years before. Because that 3,000 years, so this individual is obviously very advanced. Well, Boganathar, starts talking to these wandering sadhus, these wandering monks, and he starts having vision. And these monks look at him and says, oh, I know exactly what you're seeing. They said, what? You're seeing mainland China. Mm. And he said, really, tell me about me. And they begin to describe the mountains and the Yangtze River and how, can you imagine 3,300 years ago in China, you could have took a glass right up to the Yangtze River and drunk right out Not of anymore. It. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. Called no yeah. industry. Can you? I mean, just imagine the virgin forests. I mean, China's beautiful now, but just imagine oh, what yeah. it was then. Well, he has one of them to his guide, and he treks from India to mainland China. And he gets there and he starts to practice his three yoga disciplines. But now, He's not practicing them in a cave. He's practicing them out amongst the elements of nature. And he starts to notice two profound shifts in his yoga that initially he refers to this new yoga as gentle yoga. He gives it the name of Tai Chi Gong later, but he refers to it hmm. as gentle yoga. And this is what he found out. Well, when we're doing an asana, a posture like in Hatha Yoga, we know we get certain benefits from holding a posture sure. and breathing in a certain way does a certain thing to the energy, to the chi, right? Or prana. Well, what he found was shifting the weight from point A on one leg to point B in the other leg did something totally different to the chi than holding a fixed position. As a matter of fact, it propelled the chi like a motor in a way his yoga had never done before. So that fascinated him. But he also found out, and this is what he did. He spent five to 10 years by the riverbanks of the Yancey. He spent five to 10 years in the thickness of the forest where all the trees were well over 300 years old. He spent five to 10 years in the mountaintops and this is what he discovered. All the chi was different. And if his mind was open enough and he breathed his pranayama a certain way and moved a certain way, the elements of nature fed him. So this is what he did. He humbled himself. He said, now my, my master from now on, while I'm here in China, is yes. going to be the divine mother. It's going to be mother nature. She's going to teach me what the human race has forgot. Because if God is God, 
God is as much in the third dimension in my body as he is in the fourth dimension in my emotions in my mind and in the fifth dimension in my spirit or he's not God. That's right. And all of a sudden that became the birth of Tai Chi Gong. Well, ah. he was there for five decades. One day this general from the emperor of the middle kingdom comes up and of course, can you imagine, right? Five decades, he's got this long beard. He's got this Lord helping matted hair, stinks <laughs> to high heaven, looks like this giant Herman, but you could they, they could feel the power of this guy. They knew he was the sage, right? Well, the general comes up one day and, and says, holy man, we need your help. The emperor, the young emperor is dying. And the herbal doctors here give him a couple of years to live. It sounded like from everything we knew and read in history that the emperor at the time had some form of neuromuscular disease, which was very popular with some of these younger emperors that maybe they maybe there was incest, you know, but they were, it was very, very common, right? So, so he agreed to said, you know, I'll do whatever. So they took him in. They bathed him for like two days, trimmed his beard, put him in the traditional ponytail, shaved him all the way up to here to the back ponytail, put him in beautiful garments. And then he went before Emperor Chen to me. And he began to share with him. So Chen became his first unofficial student. All this time, this guy's just been training, right? right? So when you count the time in India and here, the guy was training for over 75 years before he taught his first student. So we passed down. Wow. When I was training, I had to train. I had to practice one Qigong exercise for seven years based on that tradition before I could share it. I had to be able to share that Qigong exercise and know what it did to my spirit, my mind, and my body, because spirit, mind, and body are one. That's the Chanda discipline in India. Remember, three yellow stripes? Right. And then magenta dot. Today, they just do the magenta dot because they've been getting away from tradition, right? But that was the meaning of the true Chanda in India, right? So. Lo and behold, he comes up, and it is the emperor that looks at Boganathar, the wild man sage, out of the woods, cleans him up, and names him Lao Tzu. Mm. So the Indian Brahmin and the Chinese philosopher are really one in the same person. You'd be surprised how many people don't know that. Right. Mm -hmm. It's pretty profound. Right. 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 So he helps the emperor live two decades longer than the herbal doctors does. So when he's getting ready to pass away, and by the way, this is Boganathar's first experience of heartbreak because he became very attached to the emperor. Right. Became, you know, this was like a child to him. And so when he passes away, he then says, I am going up into the Himalayas. 
where the angels brush their spirit of light across the mountains. And it will be there that I perfect the art that God the Father gave me through the yoga and God the Mother gave me through the elements. He goes up on the way out. He writes the I Ching, gives it to someone, says he does it in like two hours. People still trying to figure out the I Ching 3,000 years later, and he, he writes it in a couple hours. Here. He goes up, right, gets into Darchin, Tibet, about 50 miles above the Nepal, and then meditates for 100 years. And then he gets the vision out of the fact that he comes out of meditation and he realized that his Qigong has gotten so advanced that he's taking it a whole new level. See, when he was in China, he experienced the beautiful cycles of nature, right? So this is the cycles of nature, spring, summer, fall, winter, you see? spring summer this is why we call it the circle of life right so in the balance of nature it was easy for him to feel the flow of nature but what happens when you're in the himalayas and you're at eight thousand elevation where winter is eight months a year it's 10 30 in the morning jessica before the sun even comes above the mountains right and He says, you know what? I have learned to create balance inside of myself where there is no balance. And that is the power of our art. That is the power of this spiritual science called Tai Chi Gong. It's amazing. And so what he said was, and and in the last 3,000 years to prove that. So when he comes out, he spends the second hundred years teaching the first 12 to find the first 12, 100 to 200 years later, the the 12 become 36. Mm -hmm. And that's what it became. And so he called the 12 master llamas is the columns, the torches of God on the planet that you have to have a physical body in order to anchor God's light and energy in the physical domain. So we're always hearing about these ascended masters and, you know, that's all great, well, and good, but that's fine. Most of them are in the fifth dimension and beyond. Right. Good for the fifth dimension and beyond, but they can't anchor energy here. And if the angels could have done it themselves, there would have not been the need for humans. And what does scripture say in regards to humans? And angels, they're very clear on that. And that is angels don't get free will. And when they do, they become an angel like Lucifer. That's right. Okay, so that's a problem. But a human can sink lower than an animal. And boy, we've seen good examples of that, what they're trying to do to some of our children on the planet. But what does scripture also say? That you can rise higher than an angel so we're here the angels have been waiting for this it's about time the angels say the human race stepped up and took on their angelic 
quality. That's why we're all showing up. And most of us, this ain't the first rodeo that we've done together, right? We came to do this. And, and Revelation says it best. And that is 144,000 to be saved. It's not just save 144,000. The 144,000 are the instruments of God. They are the second coming of the Christ, the living Christ, and all of these beings able to do the things that Christ did. When I was in Indian Tibet, I studied with six masters, six now, three in India, three in Tibet, that could do everything that Master Rabbi Jesus could do in the Bible. They could do everything. They could walk on water. They could walk on air. They could try to be burnt down by a fire and it didn't destroy them. I mean, these were master masters. You have to understand, right? So, yeah, 144,000 mature spiritual beings that are willing to join hands together on this. This is the whole purpose of our My Patriots Network. This yeah. is why we're bringing spiritual patriots to our network and why the circle of life and other cha- uh, channels are going to be solutions for people to work through this. Because the moment we get 144 really conscious beings that are vibrating 5D or more in their physical body, the whole 7 to 8 million people get raised up. Same thing happened during the time of Enoch. The whole, as a matter of fact, we call this the Enoch effect. Enoch goes to God the Father. He comes back and they're offering money and they're offering food. And he says, since I've been with God the Father, I've learned to have no need of that. But I tell you what, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to teach you what I learned with God the Father which is his righteousness. And in the Lamasary, we say the word righteousness means right use of God's laws. Mm. And see, the longevity of Enoch is exactly the advanced sadhus and city yoga masters in India. I mean, by the time Bhogunathar trained the twelve. He was about the same age that Enoch was when he was taken into heaven. He was 350 to 360 years old. And one day, he just disappears. He goes down the mountain. He doesn't come back. To this day, they don't know that did Lao Tse pass away or did he just disappear? Nobody truly really knows. Realize, yeah. Yeah, yeah. missed it. But what we do know, the guy lived for over three 300 years and he he anchored a teaching on the planet that i spent three and a half years at this temple let me tell you something when when you're doing penance or siddhanas or practicing spiritual exercise they all mean the same and you have all these masters who've come through there meditating chanting vibrating doing moving energy for three millenniums in the same place, the building itself vibrates in 5D. So because of that, the Red Army's never been able to penetrate anywhere within miles of our Lamasary. They can't find it. Why? Yeah, right, right. Material. Oh, yeah. 
yeah. the average CCP yeah. soldier, the last thing they're thinking about is vibrating in 5D, right? So right. if somebody walks by you 5D uh, or higher, most of the human race don't, don't see them. Yeah. And, and, and we've all had this experience, Jessica, on a very down-to-earth level, right? So you go into a restaurant and you start talking spiritual stuff. Hey, I haven't seen you, Jessica, in a long time. What have you been doing? And we're talking spirit and we're getting high as a kite and our vibration goes off. And before we know it, we, we got the menu and we're wondering, why hasn't the waitress come to order? She ain't seen us. We're vibrating so high, especially if she came in and her and the husband fought. Maybe he's told her he's going to file divorce. So her emotions are blocking all of her energies. It's slowing down her chakras. Her nodas, instead of turned out, her spokes, they're turning in. Hell, there ain't no way she's going to see us. You understand? And so you almost have to drop a plate on the ground just to get her to wake up. All of us have had that experience, right? But we didn't know know that that was going on. Right. And metaphysically, that is no different than people, even in the village of Darchen, which is just a couple miles down the road. Well, first of all, Lamasiri sits up about 7,500 elevation, right? The first level of clouds we know from going up and down an airplane sit at about 5,000. So the Lamasiri most of the time stays up what? Above the first level of clouds. So that's a camouflage in itself right the other thing of it is is the vibration but also where it sits you know how a king's crown is shaped so we have this round part and then we have these pyramid edges on the crown where the higher mountains like Everest and the other high mountain they form a wall that's higher elevation than the Lamasiri you get it So now if you're on the other side of those mountains, you don't see anything. So between the clouds and the mountains and then the 5D vibration, that's why, that's why. As a matter of fact, I would have never found the place if it hadn't have been that I was taken there literally by a llama. And and by the way, that's the only way anybody ever finds the llamas there. A llama has to take them. Oh yeah, you have to be maybe vetted in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And a minimum practicing the exercise seven years. Because what the exercises do, they flush out the 4D. They ah. cleanse the 4D. You see, they take every time you spend 20, 40 minutes in a session of Tai Chi Gong, you're scrubbing the emotions so much that within 20 minutes in the class, you're feeling better whether you even have a clue what it's doing, right? And you don't even know why you're feeling better, but you get to our fourth Qigong exercise, probably best said by a lady that trained me a couple of years ago, had been taking Tai Chi in Canada. And she got to 20 minutes in the class and she came up to me with tears in her eyes and she said, Master Risaji, she said, I've been taking another form of Tai Chi for 10 years. And I feel more energy in 20 minutes of Tai Chi Gung than I ever felt. What the heck is going on here? Okay. Well, because it's pure. Yeah. So you can't argue with a 3,000-year lineage. That's right. Whether people think you can. You can't argue with the fact that 
three yogas that obviously all work put together with the elements of nature and that they're given birth. I mean, people understand the birth of Tai Chi Gong. It is as profound as the Holy Spirit birthing Mary with the fetus, Jesus, if they understood what I knew. That's how profound it is. It's profound. It really wow. is. And it, it never not delivers. The only person I've ever seen not is they'll start, I've seen people start there and then literally get scared to death because of the peace and, and run right out the door. Ah. Okay, so, but if you can ground yourself and center yourself and open yourself, as Lao Tzu says, you got to empty your cup so you can fill it back up again, right? So Rumi probably said it the best, right? Jalade Rumi, the 13th century mystic poet says, when I die, I shall become an angel. But when I die as an angel, what I become, you cannot imagine. Wow. That's who we are. That, that is the best description of who human beings potential. Oh, yeah. Are. That's who we are. So, you know, that's why we are. So you got anything else you want to run by me before we? No, I mean, you, you covered a lot of the different topics and I was actually going to ask you, um, Isn't that funny how that happens. <laughs> um, I was actually going to ask you about yoga and, you know, I know when you were talking about the Tai Chi Gung that, you know, you're balancing, you know, all the chakras at essentially at one time, but it sounds like yoga is the foundation. Yeah. Yoga is the foundation. When you really examine, let's just look at the basic yin and yang concept right now. When you really break down physical yoga, let's just take the Hatha yoga and all the spin-offs of Hatha yoga all the way up to Pilates today, right? Because there's hot yoga, there's this yoga, Asinghar yoga, there's all these yogas. But when it really comes down to it, most of them, their roots is in Hatha yoga, which we know means sun and moon. Hatha means right. sun and moon, which denotes yin and yang to start with, right? Okay. But when you really examine Hatha yoga, most of the asanas and how we're working our body is repelling gravity. So we're fighting gravity. Well, that's like doing push-ups and that's like doing weight training because they also repel gravity. If I'm jogging, I'm repelling gravity. So when you look at yoga, it's a beautiful system, but it leans more yang, masculine, than it does in feminine. Mm -hmm. See, when you examine, if I'm talking to an acupuncture physician, he's going to tell me that my governing vessel goes up my spine and most of the repelling muscles again, honor that flow of chi, which means up my spine to my head, right? Right. Well, guess what? That's the energy we're in right now, the ascending energy. But when I look at the yin energy, it comes down the front of the body. You know what they call the yin vessel, right? The conceptional vessel. Isn't that interesting? They yeah. call it the conceptional. So what does that mean? It means new life. So, yeah. Yeah. so I refer to that as... 
the yang chi, the best uh, semblance in nature is the rising of the sun. Because as the sun rises, so does the energy up your spine every day. So if I'm doing salutation to the sun, you know, it makes perfect sense because I'm rising with the sun. Right. But about one to three o'clock, the energy is in this area of the head. And yeah. then at three, it's supposed to do what? Travel down. It's not supposed to keep going up. But if I'm drinking caffeinated drinks at five or six o'clock at nighttime, then I'm forcing the cycle to go against its natural flow. Its natural flow is from three o'clock, then four to five o'clock in the evening, six o'clock, you see, right. should be coming down the belly. So the Tai Chi exercises let the chi flow down. So it's more yin. Right. right? sometimes referred to as the system of where water meets earth, right? right and right. you can, if I watch a waterfall, which is the best sample of the descending sheet. So part of the problem that's going on is a spiritual and a physical problem right now in the universe. We know longevity is important and it's coming back. We, if we wanna live advanced spiritual life, and not treat our body right, we know that's wrong. So we know that Enoch and Boganathar had the better idea. They say in order to really understand God's righteousness or his laws, I need to stick around in the body for a while to get this whole full picture, right? Right. Very few people can be like Christ Jesus and show up and be so advanced that they get it in 30 years. But I can tell you part of the reason when that time comes, our next broadcast, I'll share with you about that story. That'd, but, be, that'd be great. But our Tai Chi Gong system is developed. So I've been practicing our form of Hatha Yoga, our form of Pranayama, and our form of Kundalini Yoga, as long as I've been practicing the Tai Chi Gong exercises. So I notoriously will do the yoga and more of the yang of the day. And mm -hmm. I'll do the tai chi gong and more of the yin of the day. And you can see how they balance each other. Go hand in hand. They go hand in hand, just like the kundalini. And see, we've got exercises that make the kundalini, which we know is going to happen to everybody, but it's more soothing. Yeah. See, I can, I can take a knife. And I can cut a chunk out of an onion or very easy. I can just peel it a layer at a time. See, I know I want to get to the root of the onion. And if the root of the onion is like the soul, the charat, then do I, why do I want to cut a chunk out of and put my emotional and psychological self through that trauma, right? Why don't I just do an exercise system that peels the, the, a layer every day, right? Why? Because we all have family responsibilities. Yes, Jessica, we all have working responsibilities. We're supposed to be in the world, not of the world, but we have to learn to keep our feet on the ground as our conscious mind soars in the clouds. And this yeah. is what I mean about the physical and spiritual balance. So it's, it's beautiful to wake up every day and say, 
it's a little easier to ascend and to get in 5D today than it was yesterday. But with it comes a price and that price is balance. Yeah. So I need to learn to master the waterfall chi so that I can harness the rising sun chi. Yeah. And just like it would be better for me to drink chai tea in the evening mm -hmm. as I may be drinking coffee in the morning, you see? Because it all makes right. sense. Going with the rhythms, you're, you're like, you're, you're. Don't you're like the flow of nature. That's the key. And, and, and by the way, even during the time of the lowest mortality level in the last 12,000 years, which by the way, was during the time of King Henry, when the Catholic church probably had the strongest root on America and the Catholics are beautiful people, right? My wife's raised Catholic. I was baptized Catholic. Catholics are beautiful people. But during King Henry's race, when we know he was fighting between Lutheran and Catholic, because every time he would marry, he would shift gears, right? And then he cut their head off and he would go back <laughs> Catholic. He cut that one's head off and he would go back Lutheran, right? I mean, it was crazy, right? Guy was nuts. Mortality for the average male during that time was 36, 38 years old. For a female, it was 43. Now, think of where we are today. Just look at the insurance, life insurance tables today, and they'll tell you it's 79 to 84. So we're moving in the right direction. But if I become a conscious being and take some of my basic functions off autopilot that God gave me as grace and mercy and took responsibility enough to put them on manual, in other words, took breathing off automatic and consciously breathe and turn it on manual. Then what's gonna happen is the reverse of what Einstein said. Einstein said that we're only working with about 10 to 15% of our capacity facility. Yeah. yeah. What would happen if I spent a half an hour to an hour a day taking all my facilities off autopilot and consciously putting them on manual? Well, guess what? You would you would raise your facility to twenty to thirty percent, and in twenty to thirty percent, you would you would come across like a super being, a super okay. master. That's the that's all Tai Chi Gong's doing. It that's all we're doing. The exercises, the breathing, the meditation, are for us to come in alignment with spirit and nature. And the body's in the bit in the middle, right? The body in the middle between, we call it the dance of the Tao. The body is in the middle between spirit and nature saying, you know what? They already know they're eternal. And people say, what do you mean the earth is internal? I said, I can show you a lot more signs that earth is more immortal than mortal, right? I mean, just look at trees. Oh, I know. You know, mountains. I mean, we got trees on this earth that have lived from 300 to 3,000 years old. So until humans humble themselves like Boganathar did, then they're going to keep squidging in and out of here every 70 to 90 years, right? But if they're willing to humble themselves and say, Tai Chi Gung was given to humanity to actually support a spiritual life. That's why it's the operational manual of the spirit, mind, and body, if you will. 
The soul already knows it's eternal, right? The soul knows. With or without the body, the soul's going to be fine. But boy, the soul could sure use some help teaching the spirit, the mind, and the body what it knows that they don't know. And this is why we need an operation. You know, I get a car, they give us an operational manual, right? That's right. Parents brought us in there. Nobody gave us no operational man, right? But Tai Chi Gong does. Tai Chi Gong. It's been great to be with you. It's been great to be with you. Um, one last question. What a, how can we get started with Tai Chi Gong? I mean, should we go to your website? Well, we've got yeah. a lot of free training. So we've set this thing up, Jessica. We probably have somewhere 100 plus hours of training just on our free site at Recycling.com. Okay. Then there are other things that people can do if they say, wow, this really works. So they can download my free, my first book for free just by joining for free and getting that. Yeah. You know, yeah. And they can read that and then they can try some of the things I talk about. And as you know, they'll get a five or six minute video and all those videos, plus the Patriot and Lama videos are all on the site and on the channel. And then if they decide they want to spend, you know, spend a few pennies a day and get a little bit more serious. They want to get on my live webinars on Friday where we do a little bit more advanced training, then they can make that decision. But first, go to the free, try it out, give it 30 days or more, you will know what's if it's right for you. Just go to rasaji.com, R-A-S-A-G-I.com and uh, join us. And Jessica, it's been lovely to be with you, sweetheart. It's been same here, same here. And I look forward to incorporating, you know, Tai Chi and Good. with yoga. Yeah. So. I would love to hear your testimony being. <laughs> yeah, you know, this is, uh, this is great. This would be huge. I would love to hear it. And, and, uh, and, and let's do this again before too long. Okay. This has been the Holistic Keto Goddess podcast with Jessica Ankaya. Follow the Holistic Keto Goddess on social media like Pinterest, Twitter, and Facebook. If you have any questions about today's show or how you can live a healthier life, visit HolisticKetoGoddess.com and go more in-depth with blogs and healthy living resources. Like, share, subscribe, and listen wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Thank you for listening to the Holistic Keto Goddess Podcast with Jessica Ankaya.